Good morning, Christ Church. Now that I know you all are here, I want you to be in prayer on the theme, Jesus is King. You see, today is New Year's Eve. Did you know that today is New Year's Eve? As I declare this to you today, many of you are saying, no, no, no. We have a little over a month before New Year's Eve is upon us. Some of you are saying, I haven't gotten my turkey in the oven yet. I'm still waiting on grandma's dressing recipe to come, and I, I got to get my cranberry sauce. You're trying to get that meal all planned out for this week. And then some of you, you've been driving around. You've seen it. You've been in stores. I know you've seen the Christmas lights already. You've seen trees. You've seen bells. You've seen red ribbon. But to you, I would say, yes, it is New Year's Eve. It is upon us. To you, I would say it depends on your calendar. It depends on your calendar. You see, today is New Year's Eve of the Christian year because today we have come full circle to the end of a journey that began a year ago with the first Sunday of Advent last year. That's according to the calendar year. But you see, next year begins the Christian year. You all remember that, right? Can't you tell I'm excited? See, growing up Baptist, we didn't celebrate that. I wasn't in one of those liturgical Baptist churches. But I get excited knowing we have some time to prepare ourselves for the birth of our Savior. We just don't rush and slide in on home base on Christmas. That's what it felt like growing up. Our tree didn't go up until Christmas Eve. And then it came down the day after. So it was really a short span of time to really enjoy that day. But here, I declare to you, next Sunday, we begin a new year, as next Sunday is Advent 1, the first Sunday of Advent. And we will know if we come to church next week here at Christ Church, because after this service, the way we celebrate it here, I tell you, this is a big celebration. We have an Advent fest. Yes, we have a special time where families can come together and prepare to remember each and every week as we journey toward that manger. Yes, and you know you can't have a good feast without some food. We have a fest with a feast. So the feast includes a light meal where we break bread together. I like that about Christ Church. We get all hyped up and excited about Advent. I need that in my life. I need that in my spirit. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I know, let us rejoice and give thanks to God that God has seen us through yet another year. Yes, the world has its own calendar, but we in the church, we march to the beat of a different drummer. Not having grown up this way, I tell you, it really gives my heart a chance to really, really, really get excited, to focus and lean in on what Christ would have us to consider as we prepare for his arrival. <laughs> and besides that, my son won't let us get ahead of ourselves. He will not let us get ahead of celebrating his birthday. He tells us that everyone, as we turn a corner, we see those Christmas lights and the lawns all decorated with trees and reindeer, but they haven't celebrated my birthday yet. His birthday is Thursday. And so he says, we can't do anything, put up one light, one candle, one wreath, bring out any holly or garland until we have celebrated his birthday. And so yes, today is New Year's Eve for us. And with that, we come to the end of this season of Pentecost. 
On this New Year's Eve, we pause to reflect on the entire Christian year of our faith, of creation, of history, of the God who is, it, who is all and in all, and of the Christ who will rule over all. Yes, today we pause and think of the journey of Christ through this Pentecost season, a journey that has brought him here to the cross. You heard it in the gospel reading. We don't hear this until Good Friday, but yes, today, the lectionary would have us consider the cross. Today, it would have us consider what does it mean for us? Yes, this is the end of another year for us in the church. So today we pause, it's a moment of inflection, and we think of the coming end of time and the coming of Christ's kingdom. Today we submit to Christ as our sovereign, our king, our Lord, believing, with, believing as we find that this is Christ the King Sunday. But I caution us not to be too limited in our thinking. Yes, in America, when we use the word king or sovereign, we tend to envision a male ruler. However, if we were to say sovereign to someone in Britain, he or she would envision the monarchy, which has been led by female monarchs for most of the past 160 years. On this New Year's Eve, we celebrate Christ as king, as sovereign, as ruler. But do we really believe that Christ is king? Is he really ruler over our life? Have we really submitted to Christ's authority? Being Christians, and most of us here ascribe to that description, we are exposed to a host of images applied to the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, we ascribe to different images no matter what our experiences have been or where we've grown up. We've seen various depictions even in popular culture. But for us, the Christian, he is son of David, son of God, the bridegroom, the door, the vine, the lamb, the mediator, the Lord, the great high priest, the resurrection and the life, the alpha and the omega, the word, the good shepherd. As we are told so eloquently in the epistle of Paul to the church in Colossae, Jesus is for us the image of the invisible, the firstborn of all creation, the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from the dead, the fullness of God. And of all these images, perhaps the most challenging of all is that of Christ as king. Yes, I think it's challenging for some. How do we call king someone who was so clearly against hierarchical relationships? Church, Christ the King Sunday is a relatively new development in the church. It, it does not bear the history of all saints. It does not have the weight of Christmas. It does not carry the significance even of Easter. But Christ the King Sunday was brought to the church's calendar by Pope 21 in 1925. His mission was to show Christ as king over and against the political forces of the world. During that time, the likes of Mussolini and Hitler were around. So how do we call king someone who was so clearly against hierarchical relationships? I know some of us wanna push back against that. What does it mean to have him as king? What does it mean? Because that conjures up meanings of 
politics and we don't want to hear politics in our worship. But what king are you serving? Just the prophecy of him was political. The birth and arrival of him was political. The fact that he died on a cross between two three thieves as a prisoner of war, he was sending a political message. So whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, Jesus Christ in every way is a political figure. And we call Christ King because the first title given to him by his disciples, his immediate band of followers was Moshe Mershalim, Master of Wisdom. We call Christ King because Jeremiah the prophet tells us of a branch, a righteous branch that shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Yes, we ought not be afraid to call Christ King. Why? Because as Christians, we call Christ King because the writer of the Gospel of John tells us that our Lord is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We call Christ King because he is a Messiah, which means the anointed one. Church, Jesus is king and ruler, one that redefines our earthly ideas of kingship. We celebrate this king because he has reversed the meaning of kingship, the meaning of the kingdom itself. Yes, this Jesus we worship as Lord and King has celebrated with the wrong people offered peace and hope to the wrong people. This divine ruler is redemptive, not coercive. He does not expect to be served, but is servant of all. This king does not bring fear, but reveals deeds of love, mercy, and justice. Yes, we see in one gospel account that Jesus is hailed as king but his royal cupbearer is a Roman soldier offering him the sour wine that poor people drank. Yes, he is king. He is king and his royal placard announcing his kingship to the world posted on the cross is in fact the criminal charge which brings him to death on a cross. Sometimes that makes us a little uncomfortable. But I would venture to guess that death on a cross was uncomfortable. Yes, Christ is king because his court consists of two criminals, one on the right and one on the left. But there was one who could see his true royalty that day. He asks for special favor to be remembered. And our Lord's true loyalty shines out in his prayers and promise to the one who recognized his sovereignty on the cross. He says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 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 These are the words heard by the repentant criminal on the cross. Wouldn't you like to hear these words? I don't know what images of paradise come to mind for you. I don't know what it conjures up for your spirit. If it's on some tropical island looking at white sand and blue water, if it's sitting in a hammock, relaxing and drinking a tall cup of lemonade, 
I don't know what your images of paradise are, but here there was something that Jesus left with this criminal that was beyond word and human meaning. Something unfathomable. What is paradise? Wouldn't you like to hear these words? Today we see a compassionate, forgiving Lord which distinguishes true kingship. Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is our hope. Sisters and brothers, this is our hope that we will come into paradise, this resting place with Christ, a place of refreshment before we enter new life in the resurrection to live in God's kingdom. Church, Jesus is King of kings and yes, Lord of lords like no other because he is the source of our strength and he is the strength of our lives. And in the words of my grandmother, I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord until I die because he is my shelter in the time of storm. He is that rock in the weary land. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. How do we share with those who don't know yet that this is New Year's Eve? I invite your attention to the cover of the bulletin. Fred Craddock, one of the greatest preachers the 20th century, died at the age of 86. He says, it is not uncommon in the church for us to urge each other to witness to our faith, and sometimes we do so as though it were easy to do. It is not. Our faith is so profoundly intimate and important that we draw our breath in pain to tell the story of our faith in God. And to find the appropriate word to speak even to a receptive mind is difficult. Especially if the opportunity that presents itself comes as a total surprise. Well, I invite you to surprise someone today. When we celebrate Advent one next week, you might want to tell them Happy New Year. So they might look at you as a cow would looking at a new fence. Yes, I remember what it meant for me to understand the time we have to prepare ourselves. As Howard Thurman talks about readying the spirit for the spirit. We have time to ready ourselves for his birth. But on today, we remember his kingship. We remember his sovereignty. We remember that he is ruler over all creation. Yes, today, Jesus is king. And in that great hymn of the church as I grew up, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. Crown him, crown him. Crown him, Lord of all. That last verse, particular meaning to those who worship him and his kingship says, all that with yonder sacred throng, we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all.